welcome to the Mum Mind podcast, or how to stop your mother falling out of your mouth. This week's episode is brought to you by SurePlan Financial. SurePlan Financial advise business owners and employees on all aspects of their financial planning, from protecting your income to helping you with savings and investment goals such as saving for your children's education or achieving your dream retirement. Plus, and they haven't told me to say this, but it is run by women, which personally I find a lot less intimidating than men in suits. Just saying. For more information or to book a free initial consultation, visit sureplan.ie. Shoreplan Financial Limited trading as Shoreplan Financial is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Always wanted to say that. I'm Bethan O'Riordan. I'm a mum of three and I'm a psychotherapist and I run the CAM Parenting Club. Each week, Steph and I answer one of your parenting questions and come up with some practical solutions to help make life easier. If you want us to answer one of your questions, email us, themummind at gmail.com. I'm Steph McSherry. I'm a mum of two and I'm the creator of Kinderama, a multi-activity programme for younger kids. And I've been working with that age group for 20 years. If you really like what we're doing here, please just tick the little box or the plus sign at the top of wherever you're listening to this podcast. Because if you like, follow and subscribe, that means we get to make more amazing free content for you. Okay, so here we are today, Steph, myself, and we have a guest, Gronya, who is a teacher and a mom and a person, let's put in brackets, person Mm -hmm. in their own right outside of motherhood. And today we're going to be talking about children, education. I guess today really we're talking about primary schools more so. Mm -hmm. And um. Yeah, because Grania has a school, her own school, which is I, I, I mean, like my mind is blown. I sometimes can't even find socks that match for my kids in the morning, let alone have a school. So yeah. tell us about your school if you can. Um. So, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. And when I hear back that, oh, Grania has her own school, I'm like, oh, my God, do I have my own school? <laughs> yeah, I've kind of just been been led on this journey. Uh, when I say that, I mean, literally been led on it, just doors opened and it was just screaming at me to do it. Um. And so what led me to it really was, I guess, the lockdown, the pandemic, being at home with my own three kids at the time I had a little girl who had started in junior infants um and she was she was that bit older I really believed in trying to kind of keep her at home um as long as I could really so I didn't send her to school till she was five and a half uh I went to school on my fourth birthday like and and it blows my mind I, I went to school on the 30th September my fourth birthday and I just remember thinking like well, I actually have very few memories of it, but looking back in it, I can see that it really didn't serve me in my later years. Isn't and I don't know. Crazy? Like, yeah, I like, don't know. Where, where, what age were you when you started school? I've no idea now you said really? it, but often I look at, say, even like families or children I meet and I think, oh. I was that age when I was doing whatever or I meet the teenagers who were or I meet the kids who are like 12 13 14 and I see them and I say oh my god you're so young so yeah. I guess it's the same when you see like a four-year-old yeah, going to school yeah well, and the, U- the UK is predominantly for like oh, you, really? that's generally the norm that you start school is for wow yeah Whereas nowadays, certainly here, I think it's a lot more kids are five when they're starting. I know I kept mine till they were either just five or just about to turn five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As in, my son was five in the October that he started school. 
that yes, make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, I guess, yeah, that's just like, there's so many different elements of this that I feel are really important. And I, I, I could talk about them all forever, but that's a big one for me is kids starting school too young and it's because oh it's just what's done it's you know it's society says when you're four or five off you go to school and I think you know having become a mom you see you see kids in a completely different light and I'm sure loads of teachers agree with me like you know they were teachers before they, some of them were moms and when you become a mom you become a completely different teacher oh really um, yeah absolutely for me anyway definitely you just see children in a completely different light like I remember in college being trained, you know, to to view every child and, and it would say like every child is someone's child. Mm. And I don't think you really see that until you have your own kids. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, For me, I, anyway, completely, I completely agree with that. I completely, yeah. I was a completely different teacher before yeah. I had kids. And afterwards, you, you just know how precious each of those children are to their Absolutely, parents. Absolutely, completely. Yeah. yeah. You kind of take yeah. them on. You become the, the, the mummy yeah. to all. Yeah. Oh, God, guys, I'm feeling emotional. Jesus. <laughs> it is. And, and, I, and like you say, Steph, it's a huge honor and it's a huge responsibility to show up and give each of those kids the attention that they really do deserve, like, you know. And that they're they're when they're at home, they are the be all end all of that home. And it's they come into school and at the end of the day, they're just a number in that room. And it's and I know like that's kind of some people would say, oh, that's just life. And, you know, they have to kind of toughen up and get on with it. But now for me, it's like it's so important, particularly with young children, to let them just have that attention that they need to flourish, I guess. Um, so, so what happened with your daughter she started junior infants at yeah. five and a half you said yes and by the way you will have to rein me in I'll go off on tangents <laughs> so like you'll really okay. have to <laughs> but yeah so very she, good at she that. started <laughs> she started at five and a half and and then the lockdown came and we were all forced to be at home and to be honest I look back at the lockdown I have the nicest memories of it um it was really really beautiful I had just had my son as well in um yeah, the December before. So I think so anyway. My God, it's all a blur. But I know I was at, on maternity leave first. So I was at home anyway. And then the kids were around and it was just, I watched her just soar. Like she was very happy at school. She was functioning absolutely fine at school. She's the life and soul of everywhere she goes. She's a real social butterfly. And academically, there was no issues, nothing like that. But when the lockdown came, I just remember feeling like, you know what, I'm going to let her do her thing rather than doing the, the textbooks at home. I, I didn't see the benefit of that at the time. I just thought, let's try to embrace what this is. It's a, an, a once in a lifetime unique opportunity, like screw the books. And we just kind of let her do her thing. And she just blew my mind like she basically taught herself to read she got into sewing we bought her a sewing machine she started like sewing scrunchies making her own business I was like oh my god this one's amazing like she was selling scrunchies to people on the, like on the road and I just thought oh this is so so lovely um so yeah it was just a completely different way of of educating kids for me at that time I just thought oh my god wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to do this um for other kids and I guess yeah, I've I've taught in a school which is really close to my heart. So 
Um, it's my own primary school. I got a, a permanent position there and I've taught there for over 10 years. Um, and and when when at the time of the lockdown, I remember thinking of all these kids in school who this kind of way of education would just tick all their boxes, but it's not manageable. It's not feasible in a mainstream setting. Yeah, and I, I have a question. I'm I'm one of these people that have have these voices in my head. Bethan will tell you they're normally my hus <laughs> husband or or other parents. So at the point where you were kind of going screw the books and let's just see what happens is probably the the point that I was going. Jeepers, we got to stay on top of the schoolwork. I really don't want them to fall behind. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen when they go back? Where are they mm -hmm. going to be? But you didn't mm -hmm. have that, and you're a teacher. Mm -hmm. So what gave you? the space like were you not concerned what was going to happen when she did have to go back where she'd be or do you just had the confidence in her uh, yeah that's it's a really good question and it's something again that I felt so saddened by was thinking that all of the, those parents who were bricking themselves at that time and thinking oh my god how am I going to manage all this and I think for me it was a big thing was just leaning into trusting kids know what they need at that time and like academics and sitting down with books wasn't what they needed because I like I dread to think of houses that were trying to do it and, and trying to teach and work and do all of that like it must have been absolute chaos and so stressful for people um and I think yeah just being able to lean into that knowledge I guess as a teacher what I did know was a lot of the stuff that we do in the books can be done in a completely different way through play through concretely doing things like baking cooking like you cover so much in those things mm -hmm. and so I guess yeah I did have the the benefit of knowing that as a teacher whereas other parents didn't and I feel a big thing is for parents to trust in their own abilities and I think ultimately parents at that time were bricking it because they feel like oh we need teachers like to, to educate these kids parents are the sole educators of kids and I think that seems to be really obscured like and people need to to know that that it's parents and the teachers are supporting parents yeah. and I yeah it's just stepping into that and realizing actually you're more than capable parents are more than capable of doing it you know what I mean it's teachers are supporting families and I think that's that's really sad for me because I just think yeah we, parents don't have the confidence and they don't see the enormity of what they are doing you know they, they like we're all doing it at home anyway we're for mm. me anyway that's that's my take on it yeah wow it's amazing because you know I meet so many different kinds of families do you know growing up I've met all the families were like me you know and I think since I've become, since I've become a therapist and even before that, when I was a youth worker, I saw so many different families and now I've got three children and they're all so different. And I can see like one is really able for school. One is not so much. I don't even know if one of my kids will ever finish school. I can't see mm -hmm. how I won't divulge too much into his personal, yeah, yeah, but just yeah. because of him and the way he is. And it's all the stuff you're talking about. Yes. You know, he, he can't tolerate stressors in his body Yeah, and it's, it's not stress, it's stressors. And for him, reading a page of a book creates a stressor because of the mm -hmm. way his brain is wired mm -hmm. and he yeah. would need to sleep after reading a page of a book. Yeah. 
I, don't, I can't see secondary school facilitating that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like we're trying to bend and shape the kids to fit this. Yes. And then when you don't fit it, there's no other option. There's like, it's it's really sad, isn't it? It's yeah. Hard. And I, I feel as well that there is. So in the Camp Parenting Club, a lot of the time with our play therapist, parents ask questions about my child won't go to school. They won't stay in school. I had a parent call me yesterday about their 14 year old who will go to school, but needs to come home every single day. And they're a single mom and they work. So they're trying to facilitate all of that. And I just think to myself, I wonder when things will change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I wonder when. I just, yeah, I just wonder about all this stuff because I children. Can't... Sorry, on you go, Steph. I was just going to say, I can't see it changing because it's like Gronya said, you almost need the majority to conform because of the sheer numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As sad as that is. You know, Mm -hmm. you need the majority of kids to go to school. You need the majority of kids to be able to tolerate the way we teach. Mm -hmm. What, what, um, I don't know too much. I know we have a lot of educate together schools kind of Mm -hmm. becoming really popular in this country, but mainly because they stand away from the church is my understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, is it a bit more child led in an educate together school? Do you know what? I would do it a disservice saying that I know about them. I don't, but I do know that I have a close friend who's teaching in one and I only recently spoke to her. And when I was chatting to her and she was explaining how they're doing it, I thought, oh, wow, like they seem to be doing a really good job. But again, their numbers are manageable to do it. Um, And like I'm forever saying this, there's some incredible teachers in like mainstream schools, incredibly passionate teachers who want to give it their all. But it's not the teacher's fault. It's not the children's fault. It's just the system. It's it's just too um, it's it's too much. It's crowd control. When you're in front of a class, it's just crowd control, and it's like you don't have the time to give the more important things attention. Like for me, I remember the kids would come in from the schoolyard, and they'd have, you know all these problems that needed to be sorted and really like I, I I always gave at the time but sometimes that could be 20 minutes trying to tease something out with two kids and you've got 20 other kids there but it's important that they get that opportunity to work through those skills they're the life skills that they need oh I want and to I think, sing hallelujah at you because that's yeah. that's the one area my son was struggling the unregulated bit yeah you know because Mm -hmm. they're kind of just left then right Mm -hmm. to go Mm -hmm. do what they want and say what they want and we were just talking about before we came on air the the bus the school bus is a similar environment Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it and if they're not allowed to tease that out or talk to an adult about it or process it properly it sits it stays with them excuse me I feel as well like um in these larger classroom environments. So we moved from a larger school to a smaller school. And I think that the school that our kids are at now is amazing. I didn't even know teaching could be like this. You know, I my son, come, one of my kids comes home, the guy who would get just really overwhelmed. And he just tells me, what did you do today? And he says, I just laughed all day. And oh. he, I mean, he, I, I don't know what else he did, but he laughed all day. That's so many parents. That's what, when you ask parents, what do they want for their kids? They just want them to be happy. It's the yeah. bottom line. We just want them to be happy. Yes. We don't want them to, you know, not know how to read and write and do their maths or whatever. But the bottom line is the most important thing from all of us is that we just want them to be happy. And it's, yeah. That, 
And in order for kids to be happy, they need to know, like for me, it comes down to teaching kids morals, ethics, how to be kind to others so that not just you're happy, but you're making other people happy. And it's trying to give them those skills ahead of anything else. I feel when you can like really hone in on those skills and trying to get them to love life and love everyone around them the learning comes that 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 desire and love for learning comes and once that's there you're away like I just see it with the kids that I've had now for two years like they are just eating up the learning stuff they're like let's sit down let's do more maths and stuff and last year they spent the whole year they just wanted to play they wanted to sort out all their problems they wanted to you know like it's just conflict resolution problem solving that's just they're the biggies for me if you can really hone in on those when they're young and and when I started this I said I'd do it from five to eight years so that's what it is it's five to eight year olds and the the reasoning behind that is like they're those really prime years to develop a readiness and a desire to learn and it's also they're the like the really important years where you find yourself and if you're able to find yourself in a protected kind of an environment where you're not being influenced by every Tom, Dick and Harry and the teacher at the top of the room, you just think she's God or he's God, no matter what he says or does. But if like a child is a little bit older, they have a bit more sense of themselves, I feel. And they're able to kind of know a situation, know if it's right from wrong. Um, How did you go about actually starting a school where where do you even begin yeah so it was like I say it was amazing looking back in it how like the thought just came and I just rolled with it and and then it was just everything happened for me it just all was so easy in a way which is like bizarre because I know it's really not easy but that was just the sign for me that I had to do it but so we had um, a detached garage here at the house and it was just like a dumping ground and we're not huge garden people. So it was literally just storing like a lawnmower, this big, huge garage. So we converted that and changed it into a classroom. And then we we have um, a beautiful big, big garden here and it's kind of got a little forest area at the back of it and it's a real cool kiddie haven. So... Um, yeah, we just used that space and I rolled with it, advertised it on Facebook, I think, just said what I wanted to do. And it was inspired by my daughter in lockdown. And I knew I'd have my son because he was um, five that year. So my son and daughter and then six other kids just appeared. Um, and do you do you need to go and get permission from someone? So because you're an independent school, you're not under the Department of Education as such. So with that, you don't have to follow any set curriculum. Um, you have to register with TUSLA. So they're the regulatory body and they basically will come and assess that, uh, you know, the welfare of the children is is all covered and that there is, you know, a certain minimum of education that you're striving towards an education, which is what we are. Um, so yeah, that that's it pretty much. But because we're not under the Department of Education, it's not funded. So that is the big stickler for me is it's it's a private based thing, um, which really like when I was starting it, it really didn't sit right with me because I was like, oh, I want this to be available to everyone. 
but I have to start somewhere I guess so yeah of course and I think parents Mm. don't mind investing in their children Mm. you know this is the thing it's an investment and you know I meet so many parents whose children have difficulty with not not perhaps the learning but the Mm. lights in a classroom the noise of the chairs the noise of the desks Mm -hmm. the lunch boxes the person beside them being annoying they're did did it did it did it all of these things and I think Mm -hmm. your school offers every family this amazing opportunity between the years of five and eight Mm -hmm. to start to learn to become themselves in this really safe way and then Mm. do the kids who graduate from you then would they go into the mainstream school or would they so yeah I guess like when I was starting this it's very much kind of an experiment and it was like well my plan is that they will be able to slap back in if they wanted to slap back in because I guess with my knowledge of the curriculum that was what I was kind of striving towards reaching those same targets. Sorry, yeah. there's a bit of dust there in front of me, right. uh, reaching those same targets in a different way. Um, having done the two years now and, and some of the kids already graduated with me and some moving on, it varies. So some children, they just thrive in this environment and the parents have really fallen into this new way of following their kids lead. And for some parents, I don't think they have any intention of sending them back into mainstream. Um, so they'll homeschool, and which is a whole other topic as well. I'd like to discuss the whole homeschooling thing. Um, people's take on homeschooling and what it actually is. Anyway, um, and then others will slap back into mainstream. Um, yeah, so in my own case, my own two children have gone back to mainstream. Ah. so yeah so Sean O my son he was with me for the first year and I guess it was a lot for him with it being at home and with his mom um and he was showing real readiness to just move on to something new after the first year so he joined in our local school and he's thriving he adores it he just loves it yeah and then my daughter she went back into second class and she's doing well but she's she's a different type of child to him and I can see that that like it's I'm so pleased that it's been such an eye-opener for me in being able to follow their lead because I actually worried more about him going back to school than her and Mm -hmm. he's thriving and she's just I think she's too creative it I don't think there's enough going on in there that stimulates that part of her for her Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's a tricky one but again I'm just going to let things lie for a bit and see how we go they're very Mm -hmm. lucky though that to have you because you have that balance of both right you have that Mm -hmm. knowledge of the education system so you kind of know what's going on I think for a lot of parents we're blind to what's going on in school Mm -hmm. we get it we get a general feeling of it but most kids come out of school what did you do today nothing absolutely and my kids do that like you know you said there uh Beth and about your son the children here at school they go home and their parents say they just said they played all day, that they've done nothing but play all day. Um, and and that's a really important thing for me, too, is that parents are in the know of what's going on at school. So even when I was teaching in school, I always loved the idea of getting parents in whenever you can so that they see their kids at school and they get to see some of the things they do at school. Um, and with this with this school, that's a huge one for me is communication between parents. So 
every week I send home a little journal where it'll have all the photographs and all the, the activities that we've done. So it, it brings up everything down to the arguments that were had or the, the energy of the group. It's all there for kids and parents to talk about at home, which is really lovely too, I think, because it's just yeah. so reinforcing. And doesn't you know. it just normalize everything? Mm. You know, like I got a, a, a huge problem I see in schools is the pathologizing of the bold kids or the bad mm. kids or mm. the, I don't know how, you know, and we know that like once a group of kids makes a decision on another kid, then the teachers or the school or the system or whatever it is can really feed into that. And suddenly mm -hmm. there's this like us and them scenario, you know, well, there's yeah. that girl or there's that boy and that's what they do. But yeah. wouldn't it be amazing if we could have this non-pathologizing, this just like, yeah, don't we all do mad things? Don't we yeah. all want to be part of a group, suffer with the needing to be in a hierarchy? Mm -hmm. When I get mm -hmm. to the top, I act like a lunatic. When I'm at the bottom, I feel excluded. I mean, yes. this stuff is yeah. totally crazy. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and like you said, you know, pa parents always say to me, Oh, like, what is the one thing? I'm like, what is the one thing? I don't know. But I would say, well, problem solving. Teach your child logistical and emotional yeah. problem solving. Because then you can help them work their way out of anything. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, Gronya, do you know if people want to get in touch about your school, where are you based? So we're based near McCroom um, in a place called Tomes. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's just before you come into McCroom, a few miles off there to the left. And yeah, so we're kind of nestled away in a nice countryside area. So we spend most of it outside. It's like, especially now these last couple of days, well, yesterday was shocking, but the kids just play around outside all the time. We're learning outside, we're baking outside, they want to do everything outside. So it's really lovely. And even for me, I just feel... Oh, it's so grounding it's so much better for you to be outside am um, I right in thinking is it one of the Nordic countries where they don't start formal learning till they're seven yes yeah, yeah. so yeah I guess the, the the model of what I offer is it's it's um a mix of various like there's various alternative schooling options available so I don't know if you've heard of Steiner have you heard of Steiner schools yeah, yeah my nephew went to a Steiner school yeah. in the UK for a while <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they, I just love all that, that creativity that's kind of done in the Steiner model. And then there's Sudbury schools, um, which there's one in Glengariff. It's, it's a democratic kind of an education. So it's, um, they're for five to 18 year olds and everybody's in together, which is another lovely thing of just mixed ages together, isn't it? Um, and it's very, very much child led. Um, so what I offer is a bit of a mix of both. There is some element of structure, but it's child led at the same time. So we kind of teach based on the kids topics and interests. And do you want to touch on homeschooling as well? Because I, I think you're right. I think the perception is crazy people. perception. Yeah, crazy people, yeah. Hipp hippies. Oh, but I think what people forget, e even if you want to teach the Department of Education's curriculum, my understanding is, say, national school age, the curriculum would take you a couple of hours a day. And that's mm -hmm. all because mm -hmm. it takes them a full day to do that couple of hours work because there's so many kids. <laughs> They're and tying up coats and closing lunch boxes and cleaning classrooms. And yeah, it's 
it's so true so even if you wanted to follow the national curriculum Mm -hmm. you can do that from home right Mm -hmm. yeah you can yeah and there's this thing called unschooling which for me that that's essentially what I did with Blahi my daughter at the time and it's where you just like take all the curriculum objectives away and follow their lead and kids naturally they they're natural learners they want to learn and it's incredible if you actually just stand back and watch them like a child isn't going to get to the age of 10 or 11 and not see the need to 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 be able to read they're going to want to be able to read so that they can do whatever it is for one child now in my school she likes um Roblox was the way into reading like before that she didn't need to read like she didn't have any interest but you know it's it's about finding what works for your child what what gets them motivated and they do they all get there in their own time and it's I think many homeschoolers take that approach rather than trying to follow a curriculum from the get-go anyway and then when a child gets to the stage where they want to which for me in my experience has been about seven or eight with with some of the children that I have, they really want to get their teeth into something. And then you can maybe go about following a curriculum. But in my experience, the time and attention that's given to homeschooled kids around those important life skills, uh, regulating yourself, um, socializing with others, which is a huge one that comes up. Oh, they don't know how to socialize. Like, homeschoolers that I know they're taking their kids somewhere on a Monday they take them somewhere else on a Tuesday they're mixing with children all the time um and they're given time to work through these skills of conflict resolution and starting up friendships like in school the kids get 15 minutes in the yard together but all of a sudden they're masters at socializing homeschoolers are getting an awful lot of stick at the moment and I really just yeah don't like that that um perception that's been you know given to people about it because it's it's just not true it's, it's been it's true. become really popular since covid though hasn't it the numbers yeah. have gone through the roof mm-hmm. absolutely and that was when I went back to school Steph I really thought those kids that were playing my mind that were thriving at home I could see they were thriving at home their families were thriving at home because the mom wasn't kicking the son out the door to try and get him to school and everybody was happier and at ease and learning in a a different way but yet when the schools opened it was like right everybody back into it and I just thought oh my god it's and it's it comes down to that it's that like lack of confidence and belief in ourselves as parents. Bethan would you say that about all sorts of things as in Do you think, you know, in the past we've talked to the play therapist or we've kind of said, oh, we need this person to solve it. We need this person to fix it, that we've kind of lost lost the confidence in ourselves to help resolve it or help our children resolve it. Yeah, it's funny. I was in with my supervisor yesterday and I think there's like parents must know that it's their job to parent their child. Nobody else is going to do it. You know, and that might sound really harsh. Everyone might start on following me on Instagram. But that is it. I'm not listening to her anymore. But nobody else is meant to raise your child apart from you. Yes. You know, like we are the caregiver. We are the one that has to be a step ahead of the children. They need us to gently guide and lead them. I was asked to comment on a post. Uh, no, I wasn't. On an article for the Irish Times. <laughs> And the journalist said something like, 
Um, da, 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 what, what must parents do if your child is being bullied? And like the most important thing is that the parent doesn't just become consumed with their fear. Like the child is waiting for the parent to lead. You know, so in all situations, I think parents must tune into their child and do the right thing for their child. And and I think, though, that takes an enormous amount of work for the parents to have worked through all their internal stuff so they can get to this kind of neutral point with their child and see, right, well, what do you actually need to become your own person in the world? And Mm -hmm. how am I influencing it negatively? How am I influencing it in a more helpful way? And what else can I do to help you? And I think there's so much fear. You know, I've worked in loads of different kinds of schools and some of the principals are very open to understanding the human condition you know, and a, a, one principal once said to me, well, I'm the head of the school, so I'm right. And I said, oh. OK, <laughs> you know, you know, so I think we have to think about the environment we're putting our children in and not be afraid to question it. Absolutely. You know, yeah. not be afraid. And it doesn't have to be a kind of like thinking of the way my mum would have questioned things when I was little it's like she had an AK-49 and she'd just go in with it you know (laughs) we can go in and be more diplomatic about things and we can go in and we can question and we can ask and you know again in the camp parenting club I remember the play therapist once talking about blended learning a child doing a bit at home and a bit in school there doesn't have to be a like nine to three five days a week for children I think also like ultimately what is the the, the biggest thing we all want from parenting is for our kids to be okay. And so often children are saying to their parents, I'm not okay. I can't live my life like this. And so we have to listen to that and help them and make changes and not be afraid to be different. Not afraid, you know, <sighs> my, like my son's not doing his communion this year. And someone said to me, are you not afraid he's going to be left out? And I said, but of course he's going to be left out, but this is a huge part of life. He will be left out of things maybe every day for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. So now's a great time to learn that. That's it, no. exactly. And it's about not going along to just fit in. Uh, yeah. And you know, and the same for parents, not going along and sending your child somewhere just because that's what all the other parents are doing. It's what's what sits right with you and your family. And like, you know, you mentioned there, Bethan, about it's the parents role nobody else is going to rear your child that's a huge responsibility and it's about like stepping into your power as a parent really I feel like that's where so many parents can't they just can't step into that and know that you have choice around things and and also with that role of parenting it's really big the enormity of it like I mentioned it to one of the parents was here with me last Tuesday during the school day and we chatted about this of like especially when you're parenting your children in a a more conscious way than we were parented and it's all new to us it's huge it's nearly a full-time job it's like oh my god it would be so much easier to do it the way my mother did it yeah Yeah, absolutely we've said that before and that's where the insecurity comes from isn't it because we were told to do this do that and you didn't question it and and you just got on with it and sure wasn't that the way to do it because look Mm. you turned out all right yeah so that then makes us go oh I don't know about this I get so many calls from parents about their 14 15 16 year old and you see what and they say Every parent says to me, but my child was so good when they were younger. 
they were so good. And the difficulty with that is if you have a child who's so good, they internalize things and it comes out when they're 14, 15, 16. Mm -hmm. And being good is what's needed. I did, I did training with teachers once, right? It was only like an hour session. And I spoke about everything that's within my knowledge base to speak about within the time. And we did an exercise at the end and the pay and, and the teachers were putting the kids into good behavior, bad behavior. And I said, guys, I've just spoken about this for 50 minutes, 50 minutes. We're not talking about kids being good or bad anymore. <laughs> we're talking about oh. how can I help them? And I see it across. So I, 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 and this is where I think we need to help kids. Teenagers are goosed. Young kids are goosed. Like we got, um, I don't have it here, like a list from our GAA, a code of conduct. And it's like five things the student, the players will do, five things the adults will do, and five things the coaches will do. And for the children, it's things like, I will not shout at anyone else. I will be nice. I'll be this. And I said, but the whole thing is, and I'm going to contact the GAA. The whole thing about that is that's lovely, but no child can ever do that. So there's these rules being put on to kids that are totally unrealistic. So where is the voice that says, I'm really frustrated, which in a kid's way comes out as you're stupid. Like, mm-hmm. where is where is the scope for these kinds of nitty gritty type conversations and to support mm-hmm. the person who's on the other end of that? It's just not there. And all of this bubbles up and becomes mental health. And then I get parents crying to me on the phone. Yeah. And and as a parent, if you're finding that challenging, how do you think a teacher is feeling when they've got 24 of them in a room? You know, you cannot expect a teacher to be looking after the mental health of your child. You just can't. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think we have kind of turned into a society where we look to other people to fix it. If you'd like to become a calmer parent and are looking for answers to help your child, then join my online parenting community, the Cam Parenting Club, and get the answers that you're looking for to be the parent and person that you'd like to be. Go to my website, bethanoreardon.com, and I'll see you inside soon. Steph, I'm going to put you on your toes. You didn't know I was going to ask you this. Steph has a summer camp coming up. And she is going to talk about it. Aren't oh, you, Steph? Wow. <laughs> I know, that, but that you see. came out of the blue. I know. Well, I, 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 I said to Beth and I said to Beth and, oh, I'm really looking forward to, to meeting Steph. And I said, I must talk to her about her summer camp. And then Beth said, oh, I had something up my sleeve. I feel ganged up on now. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess in a similar way to your school, it's a little alternative to a summer camp. I feel when I first moved to Ireland, summer camps didn't really exist, but they've become this massive kind of cash machine that are completely unregulated and full to the brim of kids. And there are no ratios adhered to, and I hear horror stories. So I just created these little mini camps. They're two, two day, just two days. We do them in an environment where either within a preschool or a Nina or somewhere where there's a, a safe and comfortable setting for the kids. There's toys mm-hmm. around, there's space to run, there's always an outdoor area. Um, and we keep the numbers small. So there's two qualified vetted teachers um, and we keep them to preschool ratios, but they're for children kind of three, four, five and six. So we just keep to that younger age group as well so that if your child is looking for a summer camp type experience without kind of being thrown in amongst 
60, 13 year olds and or whatever. And a week it... can be long, can't it? A week <laughs> is very Particularly long. for smallies, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's just, I guess it's like a taster into, you know, if you've got an older sibling that's going off to cool camp or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and your little one is behind going, oh, I want to go to camp, that this is something that they can go to, Lovely. but it's not too overwhelming. That that was the idea behind it, and yeah, same for me. I don't I don't want my kids. I love to use summer as a break for them, mm-hmm. so they don't. Especially when they were smaller, they didn't necessarily need a week mm-hmm. in these places, but would love to have done a couple of days activity. So that's the idea. So just a quick plug for those people in court. Very exciting. There's one in Douglas, one in Ballincollig, one in Canavy, the metropolis of Canavy, and one in Mallow. Um, <laughs> wow. Just uh four of them so far and if they sell out i might put on a couple more but that that's the that's the plan amazing nice so Very people exciting. where can people find you I, is, is your school fully booked uh no so i am currently taking enrollments oh yeah that's a very biggie thank you uh (laughs) currently taking enrollments for september so really trying to get the word out there at the moment because still so many people haven't heard of me um and where can people find you online online i don't have a website yet working on it and the instagram learn leg raw all one word learn leg really and then on facebook learn the grow yeah so you'll find me there and i'm hoping to do an open evening as well on the 19th of may which is in a couple of weeks time so that would be kind of a nice opportunity for people to just come and go and get to see the space and meet me and a couple of the kids hopefully so yeah fantastic well thank you for your time today it's been really interesting talking to you oh and thank you both so much for having me on it's such an honor thanks well before we finish up Steph you must say where people can contact you for your summer camp oh go 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 to kind I'm terrible at advertising myself kinderama.com if you go there there's a little section all about the kids camp so and just Beautiful. one thing to say from a therapeutic perspective yes. about the kids who do. So the quote I picked to end our, um, our what is this called? Podcast yes. today. The only quote is this, separate, connect, separate, connect. And it's from Strange Situation by Bethany Saltman. So if your kid cries when you drop them off somewhere, this is a really normal response to leaving your caregiver, mm-hmm. right? But the way that we create a real healthy attachment is, is that we separate and then you connect again, you come back. And so if your child cries mm-hmm. when they go in, they have a great time and then you come back. Wow, the magic of coming back. Mm-hmm. So separate and connect and separate and connect. So I would say to parents, try not to be too fearful if they're if they're hiding behind your legs when they go well, in. Well, and if your little one is starting any kind of school in September, practice just that. Like mm-hmm. even if it's 10 minutes with a neighbor, a family friend, a play date in the park, I'm just going to pop to the shop and just going to leave, have the 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. that that practice, the reconnect bit. Because mm-hmm. if the first time you do that is the first day of school, that's terrifying for a little person. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. need They need to know that you're coming back. So to practice that, Bronya, would you agree? This is what's attracting your camp to me. It's I, I was thinking it for my little boy, in his case, we tried play school with him last year, tried it and tried it and tried it, the separate connect, the separate, and I was like, no. So just stopped it. And then I found it a, a child, mind you, who has another little boy. So I'm happy he's getting his little socialization there and he's going off happily enough. Um, but for September, I can see he really is ready for play school and he would love it, but it's just this anxiety he has around it. So I saw your camp and I thought, what a lovely opportunity for him to try something 
fun like that and while his brother and sister be at a camp that, that week you're running it as well so it, it would be a really good practice run as you say won't it brilliant good mm. idea okay yeah. we'll leave thank it there you. thank you so much kinderama is a multi-activity program for younger kids we love to try a bit of everything dance drama music yoga gymnastics sports and mindfulness all delivered in imaginative classes with original songs stories costumes props and puppets kinderama is available in school in creche or online check out kinderama.com for more info